Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I am the host, Brianna Battles, founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism and CEO of Everyday Battles. I'm a career strength and conditioning coach, entrepreneur, mom of two wild little boys, and a lifelong athlete. I believe that athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, and this podcast is dedicated to coaching you by providing meaningful conversations, insights, and interview topics related to fitness, mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast today. I am here with Jen Fabroni. You might know her as Doc Jen Fit on Instagram, and she's a doctor of physical therapy in California. And I'm really excited to talk to her today. We met years ago, um, and it's been awesome to sort of see how both of our worlds have evolved over the last few years. Uh, you've become a mom. Your business is has totally grown, um, and I just I love to see it. And so I'd love to introduce our audience to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me here. I've admired your work. I mean, ever since I met you and discovered who you are and what you do for people, I mean, it's amazing. So I'm just honored to be here. Thank you for having me. But yeah, just like you said, physical therapist, um, stumbled into the Instagram world, didn't mean to necessarily, got into it actually during PT school uh, with calisthenics and acro yoga. And then once I graduated, I was like, you know, I want people to know that I know a little more about the body of how I can help them rather than just what I can do with my body. And so that's how I started posting educational content. And it just continued to evolve into, you know, creating a a platform to help people even further. And it's, it's been a wild experience. I never imagined myself as a business owner. Uh, Growing up, I was like, nope, not confident, don't know business, don't know any of this. And here I am today. So it's, it's pretty wild journey. Yeah. And within physical therapy, like, did you have like a more of a sport focus, ortho or neuro? Like, what was your, what was your specialty? Just ortho. I was just at a private practice and kind of liked working with just general population. Um, I loved working with women specifically. And actually, as I was going through PT school as well, I was teaching Pilates and I assumed that going into PT school, I was like, okay, well, I love Pilates. I'll do women's health and I'll do, I'll, I'll, you know, do reformer Pilates. And as I continued to learn more, I was like, mm. I remember shadowing a, a pelvic health therapist and which at the time was women's health. And I just was like, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I, I love it. I want to talk about it. I want to teach about it, but I don't know if I want to do it. And then discovering that Pilates rehab in particular was so limited to just being on a reformer. I was like, I don't want to be confined to having to work on a device or only getting people on, on this kind of thing. So I want to be able to do so much more. So it kind of just continued to expand. And the more I met people, the more I just, Instagram was really cool to give me better ideas of what else is out there and what else I can continue to explore and question. And I think that's what I've continued to do as a professional is just question things. Well, if if this is true of what I've been taught, well, then why does this happen? And, you know, and continue to go through that journey. And I hope I always do. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about like, I mean, 
you didn't graduate that long ago. And even then, like women's health or pelvic health PT was mm-hmm. so limited in the teaching and understanding and scope of how to support women. And I think over the last not even decade, like, I don't know, like five to eight ish years. I feel like we've seen a huge pendulum swing in a really positive way about taking it from, um, like Kegel only or reformer Pilates yoga focused pelvic health practice to like sport and like being the whole system, like that the pelvic floor is connected to, or so it's connected to neuro it's connected. The whole thing is connected and can improve our performance and can't be this neglected or singularly focused effort of PT or of fitness. Mm -hmm. Which has been super cool to be able to witness and see as a PT. Isn't that wild that like, I feel like it's, man, it's 2024. Like, I feel like this, there should have been more knowledge or awareness of this. Like I've been in this field for 10 years and just in that short period of time, what we now know and yet how far behind we still are in really understanding how to support female athletes is it's been pretty eye-opening. Well, I remember even going to a uh, stroller strides fit for mom class a long time ago with my sister, maybe not a long time ago, maybe (laughs) five to eight years ago. I can't remember. It was probably around, around then. And there was a woman who was leaking and, um, at the time it was like, oh, just modify. That's normal. Everyone does it. It's fine. And she just modified the movement. And afterwards I I talked to the instructor there and I was just like, you know, do you ever talk about pelvic health? And, you know, I I noticed that someone said they had leaking and this is a group of moms Mm -hmm. (laughs) who's working out here. And, and she said, you know, you know, I've actually seen a pelvic health therapist myself and I had issues and this is what I did. And I'm like, that was the perfect moment. That was the moment to educate of like, I've done this. I know someone locally in our area that you can go to. And it blew my mind that it just was this, (laughs) it continued to be not talked about. And I actually went to another class recently um, with my son And again, a woman complained about leaking. She was told to modify. It wasn't told it was normal, but she was just told to modify. And as we were walking to the last station, I just ended up talking to her myself. And we kind of opened up the conversation. And she admitted that she would love to go see a pelvic health therapist. And it was something she's heard about before. And so it was something that I'm like, okay, at least it's evolved to here, where it's still not talked about in the class. And I'm still disappointed about that. But at least there's awareness, even from the people going, that there is somewhere that they can get help. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've seen, again, this pendulum swing where now there's different devices and (laughs) whatever kind of like therapies out there that are not like musculoskeletal therapies for treating pelvic health symptoms. And in some ways they might be really helpful, but in other ways, it's not addressing the root of the issue or the root of the trauma or whatever is kind of creating these issues. And, you know, during pregnancy and postpartum, women are just more vulnerable to experiencing core and pelvic health symptoms, but it's also not limited to that population. I'm sure as a physical therapist and athlete, like, you know, as well as I do that we have our high schoolers and college athletes that are experiencing incontinence, but it's still taboo because like they're embarrassed about it. So they don't want to talk to their coaches or their teammates. And there's just, it's not really well known yet. 
in spaces outside of even pregnancy and postpartum. Totally. I think we're, we're, we're starting to get there. It's just, we have a long way to go still, but it's, it's exciting to at least see the, the pendulum starting to swing and, and more awareness starting to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit more about your work. Like what are your offers look like? How are you running, like using your physical therapy voice and experience and using Instagram to do that? What does it look like? I like to just say I'm an educator. Um, You know, I can't, obviously I'm not diagnosing. I'm not telling anyone, you know, if you have an acute injury, come and do my programs. I still think in-person PT is always going to be valuable. And I hope that people continue to get value of that. Unfortunately, not all PT is the same, same, like not all Cairo, not all personal trainers, like not everything is going to be the same. Right. And I worked in a clinic where the best PT, someone I learned from, continue to do the same two exercises for any upper body issue, the same two exercises for any lower body issue, ultrasound, e-stem, out the door. And it made me so sad because I came to him with like so many questions and we talked through things and he was knowledgeable. And I'm like, yet you just have people coming through this system where you're not using any thought anymore. And people aren't really getting better. You know, they're just kind of coming and going. And so in those sense instances where it's something that's chronic or consistent, it's something that you've tried to get (laughs) help for and it hasn't really resolved or you're not understanding your body in why you're feeling different aches and pains when you're doing movement. That's what I'm trying to educate on. What's something different that you can try and how can you easily implement it into your life. Like, especially now as a mom, I get it. Like it, there's not more time to add things. So rather than doing an hour of adding in this mobility and all this stuff, like how can I just get you to sprinkle in something different or do an exercise and maybe hear a different cue and see how that loads something in your body a little differently. So hopefully you feel something different. And so we came up with, first we started with other programs Um, And it's now transitioned based on a lot of feedback. Um, We've been able to create our own app and platform, which has been amazing and a huge undertaking, but so cool to see it really evolve based on what people have asked for, uh, where there's now programs based on different body parts. So based on the low back, here are things that I would address from the upper back to the feet, to the hips, to the core, to the strengthening, to oh, so many different aspects, right? There's no one size fits all, unfortunately, for low back pain or knee pain or shoulder pain. But here are all the aspects of if you just started to explore a little bit more, I'm sure you're going to find something that's going to hit and be what you can add into your life on a consistent basis. It's going to feel so much better. So that's what I try to provide. It's fully educational based. I'm doing the full video with people because I want to be in their head when they're doing a workout class or when they're outside or when they don't do gen health anymore of like Jen said that I can modify like this and I can change my body like this. And you know, I want to be able to provide that education and understanding and build, help people build that awareness that we often lack because you're not a movement professional. You're not supposed to know. It's okay. So be guided by someone that does have a little bit more knowledge in a different way and hopefully feel something different. Like that's, that's ultimately my goal. Right. It's like just helping others learn how to be an expert on their own body. And like, they have to learn that from somebody so they can apply it to CrossFit or to yoga or to their mommy fitness class, like whatever it might be, but you're right. They're not really getting 
a lot of individualized exposure. And even if they go to physical therapy, a lot of the time it is through such a clinical lens that it does not always translate to like their real life, like their real life symptoms or their real life um, athletic performance where they're like, well, it's when I swing my tennis racket like this, that I'm having this ankle hip back leaking issue, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. there's, it feels like it's been hard to, and this is obviously a generalization, not all, but like hard to connect the physical therapy, clinical rehabilitation world to progressing the person to the level of performance that they desire. And that kind of exists across the spectrum. So I love that you're doing it so that people can kind of troubleshoot themselves in that moment too. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And we get amazing feedback when people do it. It's just, it's, it's always that adherence, you know, it's adherence in person of like, what exercises are you really going to take away and do consistently and what exercises you're going to do on your own. So when people, especially when they sign up for something and they start doing it consistently, and I get that feedback, it's incredible because I know I'm not there telling you to do it. I'm not there in person with you. You're taking the opportunity to learn on your own. And that's amazing. So I just always feel so grateful and so honored when someone takes that opportunity within their body. Yeah, absolutely. So you're running, you know, this, this platform and also these, you have these educational resources for people, this app. And, you know, you said it earlier in this episode that you never envisioned yourself as a business owner. So can you tell us a little bit of like the behind the scenes of what it is actually like? to have an online business. I think this is something that's not talked about a whole lot in our industries. Totally. I mean, when I first came into like, okay, let me launch an online um, platform. And, you know, this is what people are asking for. Let me just be able to put it out there. And so I originally launched something called the mobility method. And just like, if here is all the things that you can like kind of incorporate for mobility, whether it's hips or low back or knee or whatever. And so I, I had created that and it was great and people loved it, but they really had to go in. There was like 23 self-assessments that you can do. So you really had to self-assess. You really had to see, okay, where in my body am I restricted? Where do I need to pay attention to? And you had to do the work all completely on your own, which was hard. Again, that's and that more steps of what, what time I'm going to take and how I'm going to add it in and what I'm going to do. Um, but at the time I had a super small team because again, this, I was working in person still with clients. I had now stepped away from the private clinic and I was just doing uh one-on-one PT myself cash base. And <clears throat> so I was managing that. <laughs> so, you know, be, being able to put out an online product was just like, this is for everyone who's been asking for it, but it wasn't necessarily more that I was going to do. It wasn't like huge. So I just only had like a couple people that were kind of helping me on the side. And then it was actually once I met my husband who he moved down to California and then, and he started, he's a PT as well. And he started his own practice. He was even doing uh, private chefing for a few people. And he was like really building and then 2020 and COVID hit and everything And, you know, kind of fell off with that because you couldn't see people in person anymore. And he was like, you know, you have 3000 emails you haven't gone through. Like, do you want to do anything with that? And I was like, no, I don't I don't have time. (laughs) I don't have capacity. And so he just started to like, what if I just took a look? What if I just did this? And he is a lot more structured, business minded than I am. And so he all of a sudden went in and was like, 
you could be doing this and this and this, but you would need help here and here and here and started organizing this whole back end of things that I didn't know. I just knew this is what people want. And so this is how I'm going to give it. I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, Instagram and I'm going to put programs out that people are asking for and that, and I'm going to answer questions on email. And that was all I knew. And so once he came in and really started to organize and restructure everything, that's when we hired on an app development team. So now we have developers that we are communicating with on a weekly basis to help and manage and run and progress this platform. We have contractors that are helping in all different aspects of the business. And now, you know, <laughs> managing and running this whole app and platform and continuing to also work with customer service backend and content creation and my own education as well. I'm continuing to take educational classes and learn myself. So there's just a lot going on in the background that I don't think people really know. <laughs> they just see me on social media, which is great. And I try to provide as much as I can. Social media has also changed since I first got onto it. So sometimes I feel like I'm posting for no one and no one cares anymore, right. <laughs> but I'm still going to show up and try my best. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of just trying to understand how I, how we kind of navigate the entire system of everything that we have now, which has been great to have a full team to help with. Um, but it is, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And like no one teaches you what you need in order to run like a successful and sustainable. I think that's the key word business because we can all throw shit out there basically. Yeah. And it might like almost like a 20 seconds of fame or whatever. I always mess up my expressions. I don't know if that's it, but like you get that, like those moments where maybe something goes viral or this does yeah. really well, but then to sustain that year after year after year, that's a whole different story. And then I don't think that that's really acknowledged a lot. It, especially in the health and fitness space, you know, you see people right. come and go, or you see people with a ton of followers, but like their revenue isn't a lot. They just maybe right. like are just putting out a ton of content. That's good. But is that actually driving business and revenue mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, like in actual impact, you know? So mm -hmm. I think it's awesome that you mentioned your, you know, your husband and husband stepping in and kind of being that operations brain, which every visionary CEO, entrepreneur, which so many of us fall into, like you got to have that operations brain to come in and be like a true like integrator where they yeah. organize all the things, they put systems in place, more repeatable processes, and then you plug in people yes. to different roles so that you can truly stay in your zone of genius, of creating, yeah. of the ideas, of, you know, really knowing your clientele. But we can't yes. be plugged into all the all of the different places if the goal is to keep growing in impact and revenue year after year. And I think that's just a conversation that's not had a lot in our industry. One hundred percent. You said you laid it out perfectly. And I have friends who are like, "How do I find a dom?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know how I found him." <laughs> you know, and it's it, it's so amazing too that he's a physical therapist and has mm -hmm. that brain as as well so he can help and i mean he doesn't help with like the, the forward facing stuff but he can answer questions and he can understand and he can teach our team where they might be not understanding something so it's it's just so incredible to to have that that 
teamwork in, in spaces and minds where we're completely opposite and completely different. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I truly, I think like every successful business and partnership needs somebody who can like kind of help balance our, you know, like our strengths and our areas that, you know, yes. we have more of a deficit in and yes. in my marriage, it certainly um, holds true. But then in business, like I need people that think and operate differently than me. We don't want lots of me's. We really, really don't. So we need people that can step in and help build out a business so that we can actually keep doing what we like to do. And I think that's common messaging in like the business, like bro world, you know, like you follow certain accounts and like you see this being talked about a lot or these different structures and thought processes. But again, the fitness industry, physical therapy, None of us have really been taught entrepreneurship or small business ownership and what that actually looks like. Or if we were, if we were, it was maybe more of like a brick and mortar sort of situation. Yeah. Of like, are you going to open a PT clinic? Here's what that looks like. But even like you said, you're doing cash based for a while. Like that wasn't a model that was taught to a lot of people. That's still relatively new. So it's just uh, a I lot mean, of trial by fire. hundred <laughs> percent. In fact, when I was in PT school, I had met a chiropractor who was working on someone I knew. And I was like, you know, she was at, she was at his house and doing what looked like physical therapy. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, how are you doing this? So you, you have your own table, you're being tools, you're, you're doing movement, you're, you're doing your own thing. And she kind of like, kind of walked me through what she does. And now that we had direct access as a physical therapist, I remember sitting in our business business class <laughs> and I asked the question, I said, well, now that we have direct access, can't we go and, and you know, see patients in person and, and do our own schedule and do one-on-ones the way that we want to? And they said, no, no, that could never happen. And I'm like, oh, you just told the class of like 60 something people that that's not possible. And it blew my mind. And so it was actually in my last year of PT school, I got a table and I, cause I knew coming out, I wanted to see if this was possible. So was alongside my job, I actually went to a CrossFit nearby and I said, do you guys have a PT that you kind of work with? I can come in a couple of days a week. I get off a little early on these two days. Can I come in and just see if anyone needs a little bit of help? Leave my cards here. And I, that's how I started proving to myself that this was possible alongside of having my full-time job. I did that on the side so that I felt confident to go out and step out on my own and say, I can do this. I can build my own clientele and, and it's possible. Oh, that's such a key takeaway. I think like so many of the PMPA coaches, they go through my certification and like, they're so inspired. And then there's like this imposter syndrome of like, oh, how do I even send the email to the CrossFit or to the physical therapist or whoever and saying like, I want to collaborate or how can I help? Or how can I get to know? Like, There's such a barrier there, but there's so much value in just like, shooting your shot. And most people Mm -hmm. are pretty freaking receptive to like, how can we help each other out? Like exactly. You don't have a lot to lose here. There's everything to gain on both sides. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really great example. And I'm sure as a physical therapist, like you'd be stoked if there's, you know, continuity of care where you can then refer to a really good coach. Like that's, we all need each other to grow, elevate, and then actually serve our clients and patients. hundred percent. Awesome. So You've grown this business. You guys withstood the pandemic and all of that stuff, got married and started a family. So what was your pregnancy like? Oh man, this starting a family has been a journey. Um, the first one, actually, we we did have a miscarriage. And so I shared about that process and 
how hard that was um, because I feel like it's known, but I didn't have a lot of friends that I could turn to. And I realized that the only people I really wanted to talk to were people who had been through it, who understand. Because a lot of times people would say things that were well-meaning, but really did not hit well or right. sit well. So um, that was that was an interesting one to navigate. And then once we were ready to try again, you know, it was just a lot of anxiety going into another pregnancy and saying, you know what, I'm going to, and I just had to tell myself I'm brave either way. I'm brave if I decide to try, I'm brave if I don't, and I have no control on the outcome. So that was kind of my first introduction of like, you have no control of this entire process of motherhood and what might happen and what will happen. It just, you just go for it and you see what's possible. And so that's kind of the mindset that we went in again. And we were able to get pregnant and have our little boy, which was amazing. But even then, <laughs> leading, I and I did everything. I saw uh, a pelvic floor PT during second and third trimester. Not that I was having symptoms, but I just wanted to make sure that I was supporting my body as best as I could. If there were restrictions and tightnesses in my pelvic floor, I wanted to know where I could personally work. If there were coordination issues that I could work on when I was doing movement. I wanted to understand what I could, what I'm not seeing. So I was taking my own advice and doing everything I thought I should be doing and all the mobility and strength work and single leg cross body work and so much stuff, walking, did curbs, did (laughs) inversions, did everything. And I ended up with a cesarean. Um, And though I knew I, I, had learned about it. I knew that this was obviously a possibility of what, you know, birth could turn into. It was definitely not on the top of my list of what I wanted or expected. Um, so that automatically was a shock to the system, um, especially because I was completely unmedicated for 26 hours. And then all of a sudden I go in and I have all the medications, like my body was just like shocked. Um, so that was, that was an experience. Um, and then understanding how to heal from that. But what I'm grateful for that I had a healthy pregnancy, I was able to work out the entire time in order to support my body, because I have heard other people's experiences after cesarean, and I don't feel like I had the same struggles within my body because I had the strength prior to be able to support me. Plus I had support. My husband helped a lot in the early weeks and at night. So I'm not getting up and down. I'm not putting pressure on my tissue. I made sure that I did a lot of the exercises and desensitization around the scar that I knew because I'm a physical therapist and I'm grateful that I had the knowledge to be able to do that. But, you know, and, and allowing myself to be able to heal, telling people, if you want to come up and see me, you know, particularly just like my mom and sister come up into my room, I'm going to be up here. I'm chilling like, and taking that rest and, and really being mindful about my healing and recovering journey. I'm just so grateful for how the process continued to go. And even though it wasn't what I expected, I was able to support my body. I had the strength prior to be able to heal and recover a little bit better, I think. And, you know, a year into it, a year postpartum now, I I just, I feel strong within my body. It's definitely a different body. It's never going to be the same body it was, and that's okay. 
but I'm strong. I'm continuing to work on my strength and, and continuing to just figure out ways of how I can best support me and how I need to ask for that so that I can do that as well. I'm listening to you talk and like, it's just so obvious that you've done like a lot of work to get to where you are now, because even for those of us who are knowledgeable and we do all the right things and we're used to like, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, it's going to yield this result. And this is what is healthy. This is what's preferred. This is like, I know these things. It's almost like we have this inside scoop in some ways. Um, And then to just have your world rocked and your expectations rocked is really hard when you are wired that way with that knowledge, with that, um, with that preparation in a lot of ways of how you train during pregnancy and birth can just, it, it's just unpredictable. And there's so many variables that are out of our control. And what I try to tell my audience, my clients, so many people I've worked with, it's like, there's no best or right way to have a baby. We've been so, there's so much dogma attached to birth and birth method and choices and outcomes. There's no best or right way. Like a cesarean comes with considerations. A vaginal birth comes with a lot of considerations. There's no, there's no better option. And it's just how you feel, the support that you have, and almost like your, your game plan after that really makes a big difference in getting to the point that you're at and the point that I got to eventually after a very similar first birth story that just honestly was kind of the catalyst for starting this whole business is you just see, wow, there's not a lot of support and conversation and guidance for this. Everything was under the umbrella of like, if you're fit, healthy, young, strong, you're going to have an easy delivery, you're going to bounce back and like whatever other narrative is attached to that. And that was like an easy belief system because it fit all of my biases. And then when your bias gets challenged, it really opens your world to exploring other ways and then having a lot of empathy and compassion and honestly expanding your your skill set as a coach or practitioner or whatever when you can you can now relate to a much broader audience. 100%. And I'm really so grateful that nowadays there is so much more education. And I've heard this from so many women who had cesareans in the past who were like I wish this education was around when I, you know, had the cesarean birth and I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think just my preparation into birth in general, I was the entire way along the line. I say it wasn't a traumatic birth even though it wasn't what I was anticipating because I was able to make the decisions along the entire way and I was able to have the knowledge of like okay, if this isn't happening, we probably should do this. We yeah. probably should do this. And there was even a time when once I got to the hospital and the OB without even seeing me had told the nurse what was going to happen. I said, okay, what other OB is, is available? Because if they're not even going to have the courtesy to talk to me, I probably don't want to be with them. And so I was able to advocate for what we wanted my husband and I, and who we wanted to be within our team so that we felt supported the entire time. And I'm so grateful for having that self-advocacy knowledge that I just, I feel like that's still the missing piece. Although there's a lot of knowledge, there's still, we still are afraid to say, well, that doesn't feel right. Or that doesn't seem right. Or could I get someone else? Like you can ask for a different nurse. You can ask for a different OB. You can ask for whatever you need to feel supported. You don't have to be told what to do. You can feel like you have a little bit more, um, you know, just power over your own body. 
Yeah. Even though you can be led and you need to be guided, but you need, you get to decide as well. And I think that's still something I, I, I wish for people and I hope for people. And I told my story because I wanted them to know that even though it didn't end the way I wanted to, I was able to self-advocate the entire time. Yeah. Being informed, at least in the ways that you can, because obviously there's going to be areas where we're at a deficit. Um, Like that does make a huge difference knowing that like you're controlling the variables that you can. And the more informed you can be, the more you and your partner will be able to advocate and like talk with your doctor of preferences. Like when I talk to my clients, it's like, well, if there, someone's talking about forceps or talking about a vacuum, like what other options are there? Like maybe a cesarean is the next best thing instead of opting for that. And like, but having that information ahead of time, because then you know, the risks associated with X, Y, or Z different procedures, like you can sort of help guide some of that based on yes, number one, baby safety, save our lives. And if but if that's not the main concern, what other options do we have? Can we go down that list so that it's not just only through the scope of baby safety, but it's mom's health, mom's happiness, mom's experience as well. And I mean, that can be a little bit of a, a little bit of a perfect storm trying to have those conversations. But if you can have those conversations ahead of time, loop your partner in, talk to your doctor, talk to the team when you're still like more cognizant during labor, being able to have those conversations. It's so huge. Um, And like you said, it can make a really big difference in feeling like, even if it doesn't go your way, Mm -hmm. you, you didn't feel like it it like lessens the grief or trauma attached to whatever outcome it might be. Cause you're like, I, I was a willing participant in this versus to me, you know, I experienced this. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Like, and that's, that's been my experience coming out of it. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. It's still, you know, I, and I, even before going into the cesarean, I said, okay, let me sign it. Let me grieve for a minute. Cause this Mm -hmm. wasn't the outcome I was expecting. (laughs) Let me have my moment and then I'm ready, you know? And so just understanding how we can try to get that education as best as possible. Don't just wait. Don't just assume your OB is going to tell you everything, but what can you do to like seek out that information I think is really important. Absolutely. And then, you know, even I think when people talk about like birth plans and stuff, like we are taught to look through it for like through kind of a one preferred scope. Um, It's then being able to say, and if I have a C-section, if possible, I would like to have skin to skin in the OR, if possible, right? If my baby and I are okay and safe, I'd like that. Or does the hospital offer a clear drink? Like if that's your thing, maybe that's not everybody's thing, but like, you know, that was, I had a repeat cesarean, um, a gentle cesarean. And I had realized this whole time that it wasn't just about, um, how the baby came out. It was how I felt in that environment and in that experience. And that second time around was so much more empowering, so healing because I got to have say and control and like the outcome that I really wanted in terms of the experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we were taught that, well, the only way to have a, a good birth is like a vaginal birth where it's like 100%. blissful and like whatever other adjectives we want to describe it with. But like you can have that feeling and that experience, even if it's in an environment that wasn't maybe your number one preference. And I've heard that before. And I think like my fear, even going into a second birth is there's so much stigma that I, and maybe it's what I'm seeing in my narrowed scope, but I, 
feel like I hear so much, well, you're a movement professional, you know what to do with your body. So you, why would you have a cesarean? You have to have a vaginal birth. And there's kind of like this stigma around (laughs) what is supposed to happen Mm -hmm. and the judgment that comes with that. Um, So honestly, that's going to be something that I navigate if we're able to have another baby and what that looks like for me. I don't know. Yeah, it was something that uh, for me just took time to kind of sit with of what I wanted, what felt best for my mental health. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like my body and what it had experienced, what I was willing to opt into, what I wasn't willing to opt into or risk or whatever. And that's such an individualized experience. And like I said, there's so much dogma in the birth community, um, to say the least. And you, I think like when... (laughs) When you are in a position like we are, where we have access to a lot of knowledge and support and resources, it does help you filter out some of the dogma so that you can make really good choices for your body. And it doesn't matter what other people's opinions are because they don't have the scope that we do a lot of the time. And that's what helped me feel really informed. Choosing the gentle cesarean with my second birth was like, look, I have insight on things that maybe other people don't. So I, this is what is best for me. And my mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. no one gets to tell me otherwise. Exactly. No one. Exactly. But that's hard. It's hard when you get the opinions of all the humans, especially <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> thing to navigate. I mean, even I, you know, not even people I don't know, but even people I know who have yeah. a vaginal birth and it's like, well, this is what should happen. Like your mm-hmm. body should be able to do this. And I'm like, yes, you're right. And sometimes it looks a little different. Right. So I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know why people have such like, I, I don't know why people have such intense opinions around what other, what women do with their bodies. I just don't understand that. But, um, you know, here we are changing yeah. the, world in the ways that we can instead. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know. And so, I think that spills over in, into what movement should look like, what exercise, how you're supposed to bounce back, what, mm-hmm. what is the, what your body is supposed to be after children as well. And I get so many, even this is like kind of how I relate it to pain as well. If people are like, well, can I ever go back to how I was before I had this injury or before I had right. this pain? And I, why are we wanting to go back? We're yeah. always moving forward. We're always transforming. We're always going through a new phase in life. We're aging. Like our body is continuing to change. So how are we going forward? And what does that look like now? in my new understanding of this pain experience or this new understanding of having this baby and, and, and taking care of a new human and a new life or multiple lives and taking care of my body. Like it, it's going to look different. And I am grateful that I, that is my mindset going into it. It doesn't have to look a certain way. I don't have to weigh a certain way or be a certain thing that people expect of me. It's just how do I feel best supported within my body and what can I do to best set me up for that? I love that. I love that you have that perspective and that that is a that's messaging that is out there now. Um, And that just shows like how far we've come even in a very short period of time. Again, like last five to eight years, I feel like we saw, we've seen such a change in the messaging associated with postpartum and bouncing back into, Mm -hmm. yes, your body is different. That doesn't mean that you still can't be an athlete or have a high quality of life or whatever it might be. And maybe you have like stretch marks, maybe your skin has changed, maybe you have core pelvic floor symptoms. And there's so much that we can do to improve your quality of life, improve your performance and help you 
just like live the life that you want to live. It's not over when you become a mom, even if it's different, it's not over. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I've been grateful to be able to do. Um, it's definitely taking some time to get there. I mean, movement in general for me is so mental. It's something that is so soothing and gets me back on track, allows me to feel connected within my body. It's not, you know, looking a certain way or doing a doing anything. But if I can lift heavy, like how powerful do I feel and how great do I feel mentally? So that for me is something that's really important. And with that being said, it hasn't been easy to get to. And I have so many people who ask me, you know, how do you do it all? And you have this kid and, and I have this 10 month old and I'm struggling to get my workout in. And I say, you know, I've had to really ask for support. And what I understand in this phase right now is that if I have someone coming over or I have a friend that I've, you know, talked to and said, I, you know, you want to work out. I have a workout program that I'm doing right now. It's 30 minutes. It's not going to take very long, but if you come over, like we can do it together. And they come over to me. I have the plan. I have the gym. And them coming over and having that accountability that someone's coming, I can't just rest on the couch or I can't just do more work or, you know, go to sleep early. Sometimes it means that I have someone coming over. So I'm going to take that opportunity and get that workout in. And I know I'm going to feel better after. And that for me is what has helped maintain my quote unquote motivation and consistency is actually asking people to be accountability workout partners. And I think, you know, understanding what that can look like, because we're told that you just have to have more discipline and you're just going to be more motivated. And you know what? That's not always going to happen, especially in a new phase of life. Things are changed or maybe you've lost someone. Like I also dealt with the loss of my dad within the last year. So that's been a huge like emotional undertaking as well. So I've needed to have someone coming in and saying they're going to work out with me or even my mom comes over and she works out with me. And it's just having that accountability to get it in and get it done. Absolutely. I think there's a, it's, I think it gives a lot of people listening some grace and perspective that even if your job is movement or exercise or coaching or guiding, it doesn't mean that it's easy or that you want to do it. Or that you don't go through seasons of, this is just not how I would normally work out. Like this is a lot less or less frequent, um, less intense. We're just kind of going through the motions and it is okay. And it is good to go through the motions during seasons of transition of Mm -hmm. postpartum where your body's different, your routine is different. Seasons of grief, losing your dad, like you don't, our output and energy is not the same when our worlds have been rocked and there's no amount of discipline that should um, power through those seasons. You just go through the motions, you do what you can. And then slowly as you acclimate, you find ways to bring in, you know, like the resources and support, like you said, kind of having a buddy, like you found like that's a strategy that works for you to give you that energy and oomph to take care of yourself because that's not always easy or natural during these kinds of seasons. Maybe it's easy and natural when like, we're not dealing with so many huge transitions, but when you are experiencing transitions and struggle, doing the minimum is enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've discovered. And it can, you can get 
you know, you can feel really good and continue to get strong in a shorter amount of time. That's what I've learned as well. <laughs> you can still maintain your strength and not be at the gym for like an hour and a half. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Like I, I had this post that kind of blew up recently and it was like, can you be a better athlete? I'm going to say my hair athlete when you become a mom. And I think my opinion from working with like professional athletes to recreational is like, yes, but it's not, it's not for the reasons that you'd expect. It's because you just get so much more strategic yes. with how you train and your mental and emotional relationship with exercise, with your body, with nutrition, like you become so freaking good at being efficient and really prioritizing what it takes for you to kind of work towards the goals that you have, but in a way that's a lot more sustainable than the shit that we used to do, you know? A hundred percent. I remember in early postpartum, I got a, a new workout program that I was so excited about because I love, you know, she does a lot of different things. So I was like, cool, we're going to mix it up. We're going to feel different. And it took so long because there's so many different things to set up in each station and or, or each lift. And there's just so much stuff that it would take over an hour to work out. And I, I got to the point where I did it for about three to four weeks. And I said, I can't do this anymore. This is not sustainable. And so I had to switch and do something else. And, you know, realizing that that's okay, maybe I can come back to that in the future, or I can dabble into that every now and then when I have the time. But my mental capacity and my time is so valuable right now. So I have to be conscious of how I'm really maximizing that and feeling good within my body. Yeah. And I think there's such a misconception that like you need this hour in the gym and you need so many different exercises and so yes. many days per week. And like, that is not true to make progress, especially as a female athlete. Like you don't need more, you need mm -hmm. better and intentional and efficient and focused. Like we don't yes. need hours in the gym. That is yes. not practical or frankly, very healthy or sustainable. And maybe there's a season where your life or your competition or whatever requires that, but that is a season also. That is not long-term health, fitness, athleticism, performance, quality of life. It's just not. Exactly. And yeah. I feel like motherhood sort of shakes us to realize like, hey, we got to do things differently now. Mm -hmm. And it feels good. I like, yeah. I feel, I'm feeling great in my body. I feel strong. Um, and I'm, I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful for the healing journey. I'm grateful for, you know, what my scar looks like right now and how that is able to function and the mobility I have around it. Like, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very grateful. And anytime I need to come back and work on little things, like I have the awareness to be able to do that. And I'm, I just, I can't say it enough. Like, I feel very grateful to have the knowledge, the people around me to support me like you um, and the the awareness. And I think the more that you can develop that and you can, even if it's just free resources on Instagram and YouTube right now, like take what you can take and, and learn and apply it because it's going to be so much more beneficial in the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you like so much for sharing about your story and so many different vulnerable topics within it. I think it's really empowering for others to hear. And you've just set a great example as a physical therapist, as an athlete, as a mom, all of it. Um, it's been really cool to see from, from a distance and to have this kind of conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. And where can people find you or more information about your work? 
So Doc Gen Fit everywhere is typically where I am, but Gen.health is our app and platform. Um, so whether that's the Instagram, whether that is, you know, no.com or anything, just gen.health and you can search anything for free as well there. So you don't have to do the plans. You don't have to do a membership. You can use our explore section. We have movement playlists. We have, you can type in low back pain and there's going to be videos that pop up for low back pain. So you can use it as more of like a search engine to just quickly find little resources that you can use within your body. That's great. I'm so proud of you. I know how much goes into all of that. And like, I see you. It's a lot and you're doing a great job. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for sharing your time and we will talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practice Brave podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond. Now, if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow, I have you covered. The Pregnant Athlete Training Program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body. That's 36 weeks of workouts, three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness Program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will up-level your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information, and this work. Mm -hmm.